Coming up, today's guest ran growth and user acquisition for Zynga, Bingo Bash, and Fresh Planet, makers of the widely popular Song Pop app. You'll discover how he sold search engine marketing services to those who didn't even know about the internet, how they sacrifice short-term monetization to increase long-term app retention, and finally, how Facebook video ads with influencers have decreased their cost per install. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Want to double your downloads using ASO? Check out appmastersacademy.com to discover our exact ASO strategies to grow your downloads. That's appmastersacademy.com. Want to advertise through Snapchat influencers at scale? Check out fanbytes.com and see why brands like Universal and Sony Music use them to market on Snapchat. Learn more at fanbytes.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go, whether it's a YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast that you're listening to when you want action-packed content in the app business because I've made a living just really surrounding myself and learning from the experts and using what they've taught me on this very podcast to grow my own business. And today, I've seen this guy so much around the app space, and I'm super excited to talk to him. I've been wanting to get him on, and we got to meet in New York. I was like, Shamath, I know you had a podcast. You got to come on and share your story too. So he agreed. And so let me introduce the guest to you. His name is Shamath Rao. He's a VP of growth and user acquisition at Fresh Planet and also has a podcast of his own that you guys got to check out. It's got some really big names on there. It is the How Things Grow podcast. Check it out in your favorite podcast app or go to howthingsgrow.co. Shamath has run some amazing acquisition for Zynga for the company that acquired or that Zynga acquired. So I'm going to let you tell yeah, I'm gonna let him tell you guys, but Shamath, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here with you, Steve. So Shamath, give us a little bit of background. I know you were kind of telling me beforehand, but you know, pretend like we we're high school enemies and then you're gonna be gloating to me on our 20 year anniversary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I came into the app space by, way, by actually a relatively unconventional route. Uh, I was in India, and I was running a search marketing agency selling to people who had no idea what the internet was. Uh, that was because we were in a small town. We were in a small town that had a ton of tourist resorts at the time, and uh, we were selling search engine marketing to those guys, uh, having to explain to them what the internet was, uh, because that, that was such a small town. Uh, and from there, I came to America. Uh, I had the good fortune to start working with some amazing hit games. Uh, I started working with Bingo Bash, uh, which was one of Apple's top grossing apps uh, for the iPad in 2013. Uh, this was acquired by GSN Games for $170 million. Wow. Uh, Then in my next role, I worked for uh, Puzzle Social. 
that was, uh, you know, where I helped grow our acquisition spending from zero to seven figures, uh, culminating in an acquisition by Zynga. Now, of course, I head up growth and acquisition for uh, the studio Fresh Planet, where I manage all user acquisition for the app SongPop. Yeah, that's awesome. SongPop, really popular. And it, when you said the zero to seven figures, that's monthly, y'all. Okay, seven yes. figures monthly, not just, you know. Yeah, I remember back in the days when I was running those, walmart.com, I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> That was yeah. just during the holidays, yeah. though. But yeah. <laughs> Shamath, let me ask you this. I'm going to take it back a little bit to when you were running your SCM search engine marketing firm. How are you able to sell to people who hadn't even heard of the internet? Because there's multiple barriers that you got to go after, right? Got to yeah. teach them about the internet first and then be like, okay, we're the right people to you. How, do you do, how did you do that? Yeah, I think the key was to focus on the things that mattered to them. Because if you are a resort owner in rural India, you still get international clients because this was in Kerala. Uh, for those of your audience knows, that is a tourist hotbed. So they were still getting international clients. So I would have to talk their language and I would have to say, look, you guys are looking for leads. You're getting leads from America through TripAdvisor, through the international travel portals. What if you could bypass that? What if you could not even pay that commission, right? Uh -huh. So the key was to talk their language. That was one part of it. The other part was to convey that I would be the person who would solve that problem. My team would be the person that would solve that problem. And some of this was just what I learned from some of the amazing people that I had the chance to work with at the time. Uh, and this, what was unexpected was how much the image mattered, how much how we came across mattered. For instance, one of my sales guys, he was brilliant. And he said, you know, I think this, this particular client is sold. He just needs to believe that we guys are really a big deal. So what I want you to do is come in, dress well, speak in English. And that's all you need to do. And I'll do the selling. And I was like, wow, that was so unexpected for me who's been a very analytical person who thinks that, okay, results will do the selling. Uh, and I, I was like, interesting, uh, optics matter. How do you come across matter? Right. And yeah. I'm reading this book called The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. And one of the chapters I just finished today, I'm actually listening to it, but he was talking about visuals and having really high yes. visuals in there that made me think about, okay, when I put a proposal together, maybe have a visual yeah. of somebody winning. I don't know. Like, and then, you know, yeah. put myself on there on the visual a little bit more on the presentation because none yeah. of it's that. I'm like you. I'm like, here, here are my case studies. You know, here are all the success I have, yeah. Yeah. but more yeah. like yeah. people and visuals because we're attracted and we're on video right exactly. now, but you know, we, we're attracted Certainly. to the faces. That's really yeah. cool. I like that. I really liked what you said there. All right. So let's move on to some of the gaming side. So we're going to specifically talk about some of the Facebook ads. Like how do you run user acquisition? You've run some major, major budgets. So let's, let's break it down for me, Shamath. Like how do you get started with this? Uh, let me start with the example of my uh, work at Puzzle Social, uh, because I believe that experience could be very relevant to your audience uh, since they tend to be relatively small, relatively independent app developers. Yeah, uh, so when I came in, we'd had some amount of funding. So we had money in the bank, which is important. So <laughs> kids, if you don't have it, please don't spend money. Don't put it on your credit card. Uh, 
Uh, yeah. So we had some money in the bank. And in all honesty, before I came in, my founder, uh, Jeb Belis, who's an amazing guy, uh, he'd uh, run some, some amount of acquisition marketing. And my first decision there was to go in, look at our metrics and say, okay, we need to stop spending. We need to take our spend to zero. And that was because even though we were acquiring users, the re- retention would just was not there. There's just no point in bringing users in the door if they're going to go out the other door. Uh, you know, and many people have talked about this, giving the analogy of a leaky bucket. That was exactly what was happening. So we cut our spend to zero, which, as you can imagine, is no racking. Uh, you know, I was there as the director of growth, and the very first decision I had to make was to say, we're not growing, uh, which was nerve-wracking, which is not easy. Uh, but then, of course, we had a plan. Uh, we said, okay, how do we improve our retention? Which, again, uh, in all honesty, was all Jeb's work, which is all his ideas. Uh, I said, okay, we, we realized our retention was low because we were monetizing very aggressively. We said, what if we could sacrifice our monetization in order to improve our retention? Mm. This was a crossword app. So we said, okay, how might we sacrifice monetization to improve our retention for a crossword app? We looked to the real world. We said, okay, how do cross how are crosswords presented in the real world? People get a crossword every day with the newspapers. And if you get a newspaper, the crossword comes free, so to speak. We, and that is a model that's been prevalent for a hundred years. So people have been doing that day in and day out. So that is proven a proven model of outstanding retention. How could we potentially model that in on an app? We said, okay, one way to do it would be to make a daily crossword completely free. In the past, we would give people a certain amount of coins. When they run out of coins, they would have to pay for the daily content. We said, okay, let's make the daily content completely free. We're not sacrificing our monetization completely by because we're still charging them for archives. We're still making money through ads. But hopefully, if we make the daily puzzle completely free, users will keep coming back. Users will basically realize this mimics their daily newspaper puzzle habit. right? Uh, and we rolled that out, and that made our retention shoot up to amazing levels. Uh, I'm not going to be able to share numbers, but it was a massive, massive retention jump. Uh, And from the retention, when I modeled out the LTV, that looked solid. And then I was like, okay, this is the time to go. We know that if we spend money, users are coming back, money is coming back. Let's start spending. Mm. That was the point from there on. From where on, we started to spend into acquisition, uh, and you know that was still a challenge because we still needed to maintain an aggressive rate of growth. But the hardest part was to make sure we nailed our economics before we started opening up our uh, our acquisition. I love that, and I love the point you made where. You know, you focus on, you sacrifice monetization while there's still monetization channels, you sacrifice a little bit piece of it. So it wasn't like all the monetization, you sacrifice the piece of it just to increase that retention and then looked at like 
okay, what are people doing in real life? And what are the people already used to, right? Kind of like going back to your SEM days, what are people used to? And then using that and say, hey, here's how we're better. Here's how we're going to make it better. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So what's the next step then? Okay. Now you figured that out, the funnel, you've closed the bucket in a way. Yeah. What's the next step? Yeah. Yeah. So the next step was to make sure that our acquisition loop actually maintained those metrics as we grew. Uh, we realized that the last thing we needed was to grow our audience, but have them be of terrible quality, right? Which means if we got 10,000 users, we did not want them to have bad retention, which was very, very easily possible if you just buy low low CPI, low retention, low quality traffic, which is very, very easy to find in the marketplace. Right. So we focused on high quality traffic and we started obviously with Facebook uh, simply because that is the gold standard. That is the proven, uh, you know, platform. We made sure that was, uh, you know, at that point we were working with an agency. So I started working very, very closely with the agency. Uh, We leveraged lookalikes. Uh, we leveraged their, uh, you know, app install product at the time. Now, of course, they have their app event optimization, which is much more effective. We leveraged their app install product. We started putting in very, very aggressive creative tests on Facebook. We started leveraging videos. Uh, we started working with an external agency to make videos. We started to have a frequent throughput of videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got our Facebook campaigns in line. Uh and eventually, like I said, we brought the Facebook campaigns in-house uh, simply because the economics uh, made s- sense to do that. You don't want to be paying 15% of your Facebook spend to an external partner who isn't even looking at your internal data. Right. Uh, and I think that synergy made so much more sense, even if I had to be doing extra work to make sure the Facebook campaigns worked out. Hey, Shamath, let me ask you this. Like for the retention side, I want to, for the Facebook ads, a couple of things I want to talk to you about is creative. So when you're talking about video, like what kind of video content works the best and then targeting, like how do you figure out targeting? Before I talk about that, like when you're, when you're thinking about retention, are there specific tools or SDKs that you guys like to use? Was it just Google analytics? What are you guys using back then? And what do you guys like to use to figure that out? Yeah. uh, Back then we were using Mixpanel. Okay. Uh, And for your listeners, I would just encourage them to use any third-party off-the-shelf analytics. Uh, It's not important to be perfect as long as you're tracking something. I haven't used Google Analytics myself, uh, but I'm sure if it tracks apps, you you, you need a consistent source of truth, and that's all that matters. Yeah. I actually saw a client of mine shared their Google Analytics, and I think it's beautiful. I was like, holy cow. Like This this gives us the data that we need to to make decisions. I like that. Okay, so let's talk about back to the 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 facebook side of things so you mentioned yeah. you were testing out a bunch of video content now yeah. one of my past guests who runs fan bites also a sponsor of the podcast but essentially he was talking about how gameplay videos suck on snapchat which is obviously makes sense yeah. because people are there to watch influencers mm-hmm. to watch their friends and so what about on facebook like what have you seen works best from on the creative side is it gameplay is it somebody talking what is it yeah uh And this has been a huge win that I've had just in the last few months uh, in my work at Fresh Planet, purely on the basis of videos and the video creatives that we have done. Uh, And this 
and before I tell you what it is, uh, this is really inspired by the fact that at Fresh Planet, we do have a fair amount of influencer traffic, uh, which tends to be a very, very cheap and therefore cost-effective. Nice. Right? It's not necessarily the highest quality traffic, but because you can get it for so cheap, you can get it, right? Uh, which had me thinking about, okay, what if we showed some of our influencers playing the game itself? Right? Uh, and uh, we decided to A-B test that against animated creatives, animated videos, which we had used in the past. That alone led to a tremendous, tremendous drop in CPIs for us. We saw 60 to 70% decline in CPIs just by using influencer creatives. Uh, and specifically, even among influencer creatives, uh, this is funny because we had a quarterly meeting uh, last, I think, two weeks ago, and I showed my team the best creatives that worked, right? Uh, and, we, and believe it or not, the best creative that worked was an influencer holding up a game. You don't even see the influencer's face. You see them holding the game, uh, and they, they start to play, and uh, bear in mind, ours is a trivia app. It's a music trivia app. Mm -hmm. They see one question. They click the answer. They see a win moment. Then they see a call to action. Uh, all in all, it takes six seconds. Wow. No features mentioned. No value proposition mentioned. Nothing. Uh, just the single most critical win moment, the single most important value proposition of the game in six seconds. Uh that is what I found has worked for us, both on Facebook, both on Snapchat, and as well on as on Snapchat. Wow. Uh, we've seen quite a lot of success on Snapchat just as well, just by leveraging this, right? Again, I would say that worked for us, uh, for your audience. Do your own testing. Uh, see what works for you guys. So I want to break this down a little bit. So do you, are the influencers showing screens of the game or are they just saying hey guys you know like i'm checking out song pop you know here's a question i answered it Woohoo! got it right it's just that simple it's a bit of both they show the screen so you see the screen when you look at the camera look and look at the visual okay it's in their background right, right? i've seen those it's in the background yeah exactly. i've seen those videos where it's like exactly. green screen and in the background is just the the whole gameplay exactly. essentially okay got it exactly exactly the influencer is playing the game somebody uh -huh. else has a smartphone camera behind the influencer uh -huh. That person is video, uh, taking a video of the influencer playing. Uh -huh. And basically, you see the game being played in its native environment, so to speak, which is my hypothesis for how this is, why this is effective, right? Because all these years, I've been using animated creatives, which don't quite share. But it doesn't quite show somebody like the user actually playing the game which I realized was the most critical thing in this case that led to the success of uh, these creators. Got it. You kind of cut out a little bit, but I think we got just a bit. When you're using the animated, it doesn't capture like how normal people might be playing it. So showing... Exactly. Now, did exactly. you do any type of different targeting? Like what I might think, Shamath, is like, okay, now we have this. Let's target people who like this influencer and then who might like yeah. music. Is that, did you guys mess yeah. up with the targeting at all? Or were you guys just like, hey, we're just going to show it to our normal audience that we're used to showing it to? Yeah. Uh, you would be surprised or maybe not. Uh, by what? Uh, yeah. I'm always surprised. <laughs> uh, in terms of, yeah. Uh, in terms of targeting, almost 100% of my targeting, yeah, actually 100% of my targeting is using lookalikes. Uh, at this point. And I think that is even more critical for somebody that is much at a much smaller scale than us. 
so for your audience who may be indie developers who may be contemplating doing Facebook ads for the first time, I would just recommend just using local ads for targeting. Uh, and to uh, be more specific about that, take their high, I would recommend that they take their highest value users. That could be their purchasers uh, if, if they have monetization data or their most engaged users uh, and use lookalikes of that. Uh, I find that at this point, that is the single most effective way of targeting users uh, to the extent that, like I said, we've stopped doing interest targeting. We, you know, In theory, you would say, oh, we might want to target people who like the genres that we are into, like music or popular culture or yada yada. No, let the machine do its thing. Okay. You know, uh, yeah. For lookalikes, is there like I heard it's a thousand? Do you need a thousand people, or like is there a minimum that for Facebook to generate some lookalikes? I've always used a thousand, uh, but I've heard people you know have success with five hundred, you know, or, or a couple of hundred users as well. Okay. Wow, that's great. I love it. Okay, yeah. video content. That's awesome. When it, when you're talking about influencer marketing. Were you talking more mainly, what channels were you guys using for influencer marketing? I think you cut out a little bit. Video for us. Let's see. If uh, can... On Instagram, I'm going to repeat that. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have influencers that go mainly on Instagram and Snapchat at this point. Really? That's it? No YouTube? Not at this point. No. Why? Uh, again, it's this is something we've tested in the past. Uh, and I will be honest, this was tested before I came in. Okay. Uh, we tested uh, multiple channels, YouTube, Musical.ly, uh, Snapchat, Instagram. At this point, we are focused on Snapchat and Instagram. Nice. What are they doing on Insta Instagram? I lost you for a bit. Sorry. <laughs> All right, here. Let me try you. killing the video for a little bit. What, what are they doing on Instagram? What? Uh, what do you mean by what are they doing? Like, what are they sharing? Are they just sharing like, hey, oh. here's the like image of the game or is it in their stories? Like, what are they? Yeah, yeah uh, ideally our brief tends to be that we need to show them uh, using the app as a part of their day-to-day -day life to their uh, users. And of course, accompanied with a call to action. But uh, that's the usual uh, brief uh, to them. Okay. Something else we have done on the influencer side, uh, which... Uh, I know has contributed a lot to our success on the influencer side is that the call to action typically says, come in and challenge me on song pop two. Uh, they, they say that and they give the username in song pop two. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Now that you work with these influencers, Shamath, like is there a tool that you're using to connect with these guys? I know of Shoutcart. I don't know if you've heard of them, but like, what are you guys using? Are you just directly using one-on-one -on -one type of connections and just putting somebody on it? Or are you yeah. using an agency to get in touch with these influencers? Uh, we have a team uh, that works one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, obviously, it's a very labor-intensive process, which is why uh, it makes sense for us to reach out one-on-one -on -one since we have resources in-house. Uh, that's also because we are at a significant amount of scale at this point. Yeah. Right. Uh, obviously, for somebody starting out, I would just recommend using a, using an agency. Just match use you know the influencers based on the demographic that they want to be targeting. 
That's awesome. And then of the two platforms, I don't know if you can share this, but Snapchat versus Instagram. I know with Instagram, are you doing anything in stories to kind of match up A-B testing with Snapchat and their stories? Oh, you cut out, Steve. Yeah, sorry. Are you doing, when it comes to comparing with Instagram and Snapchat, are you doing Instagram stories? And and are you kind of figuring out like what's working better, Instagram stories versus Snapchat? Yeah. Oh, that's exactly it, the way we compare it. Yeah. What's working better? Uh, at this point, I think we are definitely seeing an increasing shift towards Instagram. Yeah. Uh, partly, and that's, I think, partly a function of just the very many changes at Snapchat, just in the UI, just the way they, they're doing things. Uh, and we are definitely seeing an increasing shift towards Instagram. That's interesting. All right, Smoth. Well, is there anything I missed that I did not ask you that you want to make sure that the audience goes has in there. Yeah, perhaps about about the podcast. Oh yeah, tell uh, us about the podcast. Like, what what? Why did you start it? And then, like, you know, tell us a little bit more about. Yeah, uh, so I, you know, I found that I was getting to meet a lot of really smart people at events and through my network, and I was like, you know, I really want to hear their stories. But obviously, in a networking setting or a, a conference setting, it isn't possible to sit down and have them tell their stories yeah. like I would ask a very good friend. So the podcast really was a was an excuse for me to sit down with many of the people that I admire and have them tell their stories, have them tell tell me about what they're up to. Uh, that was the reason for the podcast. Uh, and uh, as of now, we have finished one season, which you know has got amazing feedback. And the one surprising reason uh, that it's gotten feedback is that people love that it's actually long. People love that it actually goes into enough detail. Each episode is 45 to 60 minutes long. People love the amount of detail I've gone into with a lot of my guests in order to tell the stories of some of the best-known brands in the world today Mm -hmm. and how these brands and products grew from their very early stages. Yeah, you've got Adam. Is Adam LaVale? Is he... He's the one that MAU, right? He started MAU too? Yes. Okay. Adam Lavallo, oh, he started MAU. Uh, again, I, but I talked to him about what he did before MAU, uh, which was, I thought, much more interesting. Uh, he, he ran Acquisition for Living Social, and he lived through the entire boom and bust of the daily deal space. And uh, I was like... Let's see if it catches. I really that. don't know anything about his, which looks really, really interesting. Sorry, you cut out a little bit. Can you say that one last time? As guest, and uh, if you are out the history of the daily deal space, what happened a few years ago, I I would recommend that. Yeah, and then you had somebody who ran growth for Lyft and went yes. on to some other things. I love that episode too. Uh, that's the one I, yeah. I caught up with. Great. Yeah. So the podcast is called How Things Grow. Just look for How Things Grow in your favorite podcast app or go to howthingsgrow.co. Shamath, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. What is one app we definitely have to check out? My favorite at this point, and I'm sure this is the favorite of a couple million people on your, uh, in the world today, it's HQ Trivia. Oh, I like yeah. that. I'm a huge fan. They've yeah. done a great job. Actually, I checked it out once. I was like, yeah. wow. 
and I, I was sucked yeah. in. I was like, I really want to play this game. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is embarrassing. Uh, I didn't check it out for a couple of months, uh-huh. and I only started playing it because somebody at my work was like, we need to do research on this app that is taking off. <laughs> uh, and I was like, okay, I will do research by playing other trivia apps. And then I was hooked. It was amazing. It's amazing. That's the beauty of the app space. It's like, I'm just doing yeah. research, honey. Like, I've got Tinder. Yeah. I'm just doing research. I'm I not doing anything. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> What's the one lesson that you want the audience to take away from this interview? Oh. I think the key lesson, one lesson I would want your audience to be mindful of is to always pay attention to downstream effects of whatever you're doing. Uh, which means if you're doing acquisition, understand what happens with their user's retention, not just in the short term, but long term. Uh, at Puzzle Social, we actually modeled out our day 365 retention, day 730 retention, just to make sure you know that, that is what we wanted it to be. So be mindful of long-term effects of what you're doing. I like it. One new question that I just thought of, I actually stole from Oprah, but what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? The lesson that took me longest to learn was that your mileage may vary. Uh, you know, what I mean by that simply is that, you know, there was, a, there was a time when I would read blog post after blog post. I would buy a couple of online courses and try to figure out the one single hack that would help me grow, that would help me improve my campaigns tremendously. Mm-hmm. And And I think it took me a couple of, years of running Facebook campaigns, running online uh, advertising campaigns to realize that we're writing blog posts, shouldn't be learning from B players, uh, and not necessarily rely on something that has been tested by somebody else. And I think that's true for most independent small app developers because their strategies would be very, very different from what anything anybody else before them has done. Got it. You cut out a little bit, but I think got the gist of it. Look, you can read everything, you can learn from everybody, but you almost have to find your own way because it's going to be different for all of us. Like one of my favorite quotes that I've heard Gary Vee say is, everything works. You just got to find one that works for you. Yes, absolutely. Well, Shamath, D, if you guys want to learn more about Shamath, go check out how things grow co that is the home base for shamath he's a great guy got to meet him in person so if you got anything on this find the way to think the guest shamath is there anywhere else that you want to send the audience to no uh, how things co is a great place to find out more about me uh season two of the podcast comes out very soon uh there's an email list feel free to sign up uh, for the podcast email list that uh you know to get to know more about when new episodes come out Yeah. And he's got some great knowledge when it comes to Facebook ads. So if you need help on that, I'm sure Shamath can lend a hand as well. So I'm going to link up all that stuff into your favorite podcast app. So as you're listening to this, you can go check it out as well. Shamath, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Absolutely, Steve. Uh, I've been a huge admirer of your podcast and uh, I'm thrilled and honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Shamath, it was an honor to have you on and thank you guys for listening and I will see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.